Welcome to the Vismaski Classics podcast Ushatu Levi. Vismaski Classics is the long distance ski championships with 35 pro teams. In season 12, there are 15 races in 12 event locations bringing pro team athletes and recreational skiers together. On this podcast series, we'll analyze the events on the Pro Tour and the Challenger series, portray the legends of the sport and help you to become a better skier. Hello folks, once again out there, all of you great fans of Ushatu Levi podcast. I am your host Teemu Virtanen and my guest today is Astrid Öireslind, a pro team athlete who has 23 podium places and five victories, which has made her a legend in our Hall of Fame. You need to have five uh, states wins to become a legend in Vismaski Classics. It's good to have you on our show, Astrid. Uh, how are you doing? How's your summer been so far? Uh, thank you. I'm doing great now, actually. Uh, training good and enjoying a lot of sun this summer, so I can't really complain of anything, I think. <laughs> Has it been warm in Norway? It's been really warm, at least here in Finland. Yeah, well, I've been to Sweden for three weeks because I have a Swedish boyfriend, so uh, at least it was warm in Borlänge. Uh, where I have been spinning my summer. <laughs> Speaking of which, how is the traveling? I mean, uh, when you cross the border, do you still need to have, of course you do, uh, the tests and so forth. It's not that easy to go to another country at this oh, stage. Oh, it's not that easy, but it depends on which country you're leaving for. So uh, uh, actually, Dalarna was green, so then it wasn't a problem at all. But if you go to uh, Värmland or... Any red area, you have to test or stay in quarantine hotels, or then it's a lot of stress. But um, it, we we just had to take a little test on the border, and that was it. So that was fine. But now you're back in Norway. Back in Norway, and I actually got my uh, vaccine today, so probably we'll don't have any problems uh, crossing borders in the future. Uh, you mean the first one or the second one? It's the first one. Okay, so you still need one more. I'm getting yep. mine next week, so the second one. So then I'll be covered, hopefully. <laughs> yep, you're covered. <laughs> so the uh, where do you live in Norway, to be exact? Uh, in Trondheim. So it's uh, more or less in the middle of Trond or of Norway. Yeah, it's a nice place. I mean, tell me a little bit about the the place and the training uh, as as a training location. Yeah, well, uh, as a summer location, I think uh, Trondheim is close to perfect because we have. Uh, Uh, swamps to run in, we have tracks to run on, and then we have uh, great loops and uphills and everything for roller skiing. So uh, actually, I don't think it's any place that can be better than Trondheim in the summertime. So if someone uh, was visiting your, your city, Trondheim, what would you like to, or what would you recommend for them to see? Uh, for a training session or for just uh, uh, for, for just no not just training but the, the sights to see sights to see well uh, uh, maybe going to, or downtown it's like uh, Nidarosdomen or just take a canoe paddle on the Nidarva or just walk around a little bit I don't think it's like any great well I I'm more in love with the Biomarka where you can hike and have great views and everything like that. Go so, eat the bollestop on Argsetitta, uh, maybe. So how is it in the winter time? You said it's in the summertime. It's it's great and beautiful, but uh, what about in the winter? 
Uh, well, we have uh, all sorts of conditions in Trondheim. So one day you can have both sun and rainy and snow and everything on the same time. So you have to be prepared for whatever you can get. But as long as you still like to be outside, then it's mostly fine. And uh, uh, most of the year I've been staying here, it's been great skiing conditions too. So I think it's a good place, place for a skier to stay. But do you have to travel up? to ski or can you do it in the vicinity of the, the downtown area or the city itself? Well, um, I live like uh, 180 meters above sea level, so I can just ski from my door and that's why I live here. But uh, if you live downtown, you'll probably have to jump on the bus or go by car for some, maybe a K or two to get up to the snow. So uh, what kind of training sessions have you done lately? Like today, for example? Uh, today I've been in the famous Steinberge, that's another thing in Trondheim, it's a st steep hill on about like five minutes, five to six minutes maybe, uh, so we do some strength double polling there. Uh, yeah, I try to make sure to do a double polling session before the vaccine just in case my arm will hurt, so that's today's session and then yeah. I guess uh, Friday I'll go for a long roller ski for maybe five hour loop or something. Uh, it's supposed to be nice weather, so have to have to uh, use that for everything it's worth. <laughs> we'll talk about uh, your training a little bit uh, later, but next let's talk about the last when actually the last two seasons because I know it's been a bit of a tricky and tough you know for you, but that'll be next on our episode. You performed so well a couple of years back in La Venus, the amazing race. I mean, you pretty much killed the field. Uh, at that stage, at that point, I assume you were like fe feeling a bit invincible. But then, of course, we know a lot of things happen after that. And it's been a bit of a bit of a tricky path for you. Yep. But uh, at the time, Let's go back to that race first. And that early season, it wasn't this one, but the one before. You were yeah. really, really strong at that time. Yeah, I think uh, I've done everything right uh, ahead of that season and uh, felt in really good shape, both in Venosta and in La Diagonella. And pretty good in uh, Marcia Longa too. So I think the start of that season was really good. And then... Um, well, I got the celiacy. Uh, yeah, a lot of problems with my stomach around the Tolbrook race, and uh, the rest of the season kind of uh, because of Corona and everything, we didn't have any more races after Vasaloppe, and I didn't really recover until Vasaloppe. So I was starting to get ready for racing again, but then we didn't have any more races to do. So uh, that was that season. <laughs> Uh, and then I actually felt pretty strong last summer and I trained a lot and then I kind of went a little over the top and um, pushed too hard and tried more and harder training than ever before. And then, um, yeah, last season is a chapter of sorrow. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about that a bit. But going back to the year before, the season before, did that condition of yours sort of creep, you know, just creep in or... How did it, how did you discover that? I mean, it's something that just doesn't happen right away. Uh, no, but I I was feeling good and strong, and I 
<laughs> well, I thought my training was paying off really good because I was just becoming slimmer and slimmer and like more fit. And then uh, uh, we had a couple of weeks in Italy where I was living off like uh, pizza, pasta, everything with gluten. And then uh, maybe two days ahead of the competition when my I thought I was being sick because uh, yeah I had to sit on the toilet for uh, two days in a row and uh, just thought it was a virus or something but it never stopped because uh, yeah it was because of what I was eating and not because of the virus and then uh, I tried to go home and get well until Gisariska but I still yeah everything was wrong with my body kind of uh, or still my stomach didn't work and so I took some tests and then I figured out it was uh, gluten allergy or celiacy. So then um, I just stopped eating glut gluten after that. Did you eat that type of food uh, beforehand? Besides, of course, the pasta, eating pasta before the race. But Yeah, well, uh, just not the, like the same. Uh, I think it was a lot. It was concentrated with a lot like every day. So that was probably why I turned really sick but I think uh, well, well my body has probably been struggling struggling with it for well, quite some time when I can see it afterwards kind of that I wasn't really well for for months maybe so you basically got a kind of an overload of of the uh, the, the gluten yeah. <laughs> yes <Yeah>. the <laughs> the overload just kind of kicked it off and then yeah but so now I worked it out so that's good yeah, speaking of which, uh, how is your nutrition now? I mean, you have to pay a close attention to that. Yeah, but it's not really that hard. I can I eat oatmeal for breakfast instead of bread, and then most of the other meals is fine. As, at least as long as I'm home and I can fix my own food, it's really easy. And then probably traveling around, I have to be more aware of what I'm eating. But uh, yeah, I'll manage. It's uh, People have uh, suffered from worse, I think. So as you said, you know, that was uh, something that when, when it was discovered, you know, you knew what to do and then you were getting ready uh, to kind of come back and do well uh, towards the end of the season. But then the pandemic hit and yep. the world changed. Yep. So uh, at that point, I mean, how did you feel? Like, oh, come on. <laughs> yeah, now of this? course it was like, <laughs> uh, and I was really ready for revenge because uh, I felt that I was in so good shape and I wanted to prove it but uh, uh, yeah I mean the pandemic is turns out so huge so I think it's kind of easy to just accept that now that we couldn't race anymore but in the beginning we were like uh, well are we stopped racing just for a f little flu kind of is this really necessary and stuff like that but now we kind of discovered the more the consequences of the pandemic and I think ruining one season is uh, yeah we we got it easy even though I would like to do some more races that season. So at that time a lot of skiers and our pro team athletes decided to do something else long distances, they are ski 24 hours, of course, Auckland brothers, you know, those famous, famous, yep. you know, all day, all <laughs> day long, them, you yeah. know, two day long, whatever, you know, like these, uh, esc uh, you know, um, adventures. But did you do anything special that spring in terms of like long skiing trips or, you know, when you guys had so much time 
on your hands. Yeah, well, I didn't break any records or anything because, uh, well, that's another thing with the BMI guy in Trondheim. It's really steep, so you can't really go fast and far. You can just go like, yeah. So a 24-hour ski in Biomarka wouldn't be impressive at all, I think, in kilometers. So uh, I just enjoyed having a time off and being a lot in the mountains and, yeah, just uh, relaxing. And then we actually had a race on the 16th of May on snow. So that was, uh, it was a lot of snow that uh, spring. So we could do skiing uh, all through May, I think. And that's kind of special. Was there like a local race, like a small Yeah, yeah just a small local race, but the conditions were amazing uh, compared to the time of year. And then the summer came, and as you said, you were ready and you trained a lot. What really uh, went wrong there in terms of your training? You said you kind of overtrained. Yeah, well, it's always hard to like put your finger on it, but I think... Uh, maybe even the start in April that was so good in conditions and I really wanted to race and did a lot of training early when I'm uh, normally I have my time off and then uh, my shape was really good in uh, May and June so I could just push really hard and train a lot and well it doesn't when you don't feel the training and you feel like you can do anything then it's kind of uh, uh, it's risky because you don't uh, get the, the signs before it's too late and then suddenly it was too late and uh, yeah when after August I was kind of on and off all the time because I wanted to train but my body couldn't cope with it and then I just had to relax for a week and then I thought it was fine so I started training again and then I had to relax for another week so I, it was just a mess from there on and into the season kind of. Yeah, it must have been like nerve-wracking, you know, the kind of back and forth, that bit of a roller coaster that you, you went through. Not a confidence builder. Yeah. No, and it sucks to not be able to train what you want and you know you need to have to to do a good season. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough going into the uh, season wanting to win everything and then you just, uh, you're not able to, to race at all. And you only did two races uh, last season. It must have been a tough decision, but a brave one too, just to withdraw and, and, and uh, give your body the rest it, it needed. Yeah, well, I, I know how my body is supposed to feel, and it wasn't even close to that. So when I quitted racing in, um, yeah, in Marshallonga, basically, I uh, thought that, Maybe I could do Vasalope if I did everything right, but then uh, Vasalope came too early and I just decided to just quit the season. And Because it's really tough mentally to try to get ready for every race and believe in yourself and then uh, try to build up your body and then it doesn't work time after time. So I think it was just easier to just quit and join the waxing team instead. So when you made up your mind about that, that you decided to step back, what did you do? I mean, of course, you kept training a little bit, but how was wow. your winter after that? Um, well, I didn't train much at all, actually, uh, because I think I just came to a point where I really had to relax. If I should have a hope to come back this year, I would just have to uh, stop pushing myself and 
uh, taking some steps back and just uh, letting my body rest and then um, uh, I did some exams and I joined the waxing team just to like be part of the team because I really like traveling a lot uh, along with the rest of the uh, team cool thing uh, so it was kind of easier to cope with it when I could still be around a little bit but uh, so I was partly in the game but I didn't have to uh, ruin my body. <laughs> and when did you start serious training again? Uh, I started slowly training in May and then uh, yeah, I've been training through summer but I haven't trained that much because I'm still kind of building it up a little bit so I'm really excited to see how this will work out, at least for, I don't think I'm in any good shape right now, but I just have to be uh, patient, I think. So it must have been a bit of a shock, you know, to start again after all that being in a great shape and just kind of, <laughs> after doing nothing, start again. Yeah, it's a, it's a hard fall, <laughs> uh, but... Uh... Uh, yeah, I started more, mostly by myself and then uh, been training easy with the other ones and then uh, the, the harder sessions by myself so, that I, so I don't have to stress out so much. And then, uh, yeah, I, I just, as long as you're aware that your shape is bad, then it's kind of fine because it's a very good reason to be in bad, bad shape after a couple of months off. So then I'm not that stressed. It's worse to be in bad shape when you've, you've been doing really well training. And you pretty much know what to do in order to reach the same same level. Uh, you mentioned your team, Team Kuteng. Let's talk about that. There's interesting things happening there uh, with your team. So you guys merging with the Synboost team right now or what's kind of yeah, the deal? We've we've merged. <laughs> mm -hmm. So we're one big happy team now. Okay, tell me about that. Uh, yeah, well, uh, it was a lot of back and forth through during the spring because uh, Emilia and Stian have had really good offers from other teams, so they they had to leave, and then we were kind of left with only three skiers. But then uh, Sundby and Niklas wanted to uh, to merge with us, and then um, yeah, I think that's a really great. Uh, I think we're a really strong team now, uh, both uh, uh, on and off uh, the. Well, it's just uh, both the, the waxers and the team around us and the skiers are really uh, motivated, I think, to do a harder comeback now. That was one of the problems that your team faced uh, last season was the, the, the service team because of the mm -hmm. travel, uh, traveling uh, restrictions and, and so forth. that They couldn't really go uh, to those no. places, uh, but hopefully that'll be, that'll be solved. Next yeah, season. hopefully Corona won't be the biggest problem next year, I think. So your team, uh, there's still the same guys behind the scenes, Tore is still there and, and uh, so forth? Yeah, Tore and Barnard is still uh, uh, managing the team and then we have uh, some new actors, but most of them are the same. So we feel really safe in our choice with... Uh, yeah, everything has been in the game for a lot of years now, so I feel like it's really good. And then uh, it's fun to have like uh, Martin Sundbeam joining the team because he's hungry for success and he really s sees opportunities to improve. And I think it's good for everyone that we don't like just fall asleep in 
in our situation, but kind of stay stay focused for the, for the next year too. So besides that inspirational boost that he has brought in, what else can you name as his uh, contribution to the team? Well, he's, he's a really strong athlete, so uh, he can ri rise the bar for the men. And uh, I think uh, he is all, also, uh, he's pretty tough on demands for what you need to do to become a better skier and wants the, everything to be really professional. And I think uh, that's... It's uh, raising the bar for the whole team, not only the skiers, but also the support that it needs to be perfect for the next year. And that's uh, everything we'll gain from that, I think. So you've seen him up close uh, and personal. Is he, do you feel that he's ready to conquer the, uh, the arena, the stage? Yeah, absolutely. He's, uh, he's so strong and he's been double pulling for a lot of years. And I think he's shown many times that he's... Uh, strong enough to win SD Classic races, but I think he will get uh, really hard competition from the other teams too. Uh, it won't be a walk in the park for him, but um, yeah, he'll be up there, I'm pretty sure. And certainly it's not a walk in a park in the women's field, uh, neither because the, you know, it's getting so much stronger. Yeah, the women's team have never been stronger than this year, I think. So how do you now feel about that a little bit? And you talked about the double polling and you said you're still on your way up there. But how confident are you right now that you'll be able to to beat the best? And Marit Björgens definitely committed. Yeah, <laughs> well, I'm not confident at all because uh, you never know. And I've kind of learned that the latest years that you uh, you don't never know uh, where you'll end up. But I am... Um, I think my top level is really good, and I think uh, that's still good enough to to win races. But um, I have to be on my really best, I think, to be able to win. Because uh, with a strong feel like we have now, I think it's harder than ever. And I think if you have a bad day, you'll drop on the result list. Like uh, I don't think I can do a podium on a bad day anymore. You have to be really strong and. Uh, Marit Bergen, well, she'll come in, do just a few races, and then I think she'll have a really... Uh, it's easier for her, maybe, because we have to race all the races and be maybe really tired before the big races, and she can come in and be fully rested and uh, ready. So that would be a challenge. Speaking of that and the, the kind of the top form that you just mentioned, what are your best qualities that you feel that, uh, that you possess uh, and that give you the kind of the advantage over the others, Marit, and, and everyone else you just mentioned? Yeah, uh, well, I think uh, my capacity is pretty high. Uh, and I have been doing double polling for a lot of years. So I think my... Muscle, muscles are used to it so and used to going for a long time and I think I don't drop too much in uh, uh, speed even though I have to race for a long time uh, but I think like I said you really have to be on top of your game if you're winning races this season because uh, I think a lot of girls can match me on all my my 
kind of peak performances. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see. So what are the the most important things that you need to improve improve on? Uh, my speed is always like uh, you have to have a strong finish because then you're not you don't have to do a breakaway to win races. So I think that will be my main. Uh, yeah, that's my main focus to improve on. And you mentioned capacity. We know that you're a strong uphill skier. Uh, you won at Aistelope and Ulas Levi races uh, that have a lot of uh, long climbs. Uh, what are kind of then your sort of favorite races? Or what kind of course is most ideal for you? Well, I, I like the, obviously, I like the tougher courses better. I I like it when you can go push hard from the start and, uh, yeah. When it's too flat and easy, I feel like everybody can kind of join the group and have an easy ride and then more will come to the finish. But yeah, I like it to be tough from the beginning. So like Venosta or Reisalöpe, you have to really, you can set the high speed from start and then uh, see what happens kind of without using all your energy for waste. So this upcoming season has a... a versatile you know the good mixture of all kinds of races shorter ones longer ones easy ones tougher ones overall when you look at that uh, assuming we'll have a full season and the pandemic won't be a at least too much of a, a problem how do you feel about the season the upcoming one 15 races in 12 different locations yeah it's it's the toughest season ever i think uh both the the weekends with two races in a row uh, and a lot of uh, weekends on a row uh, makes it really hard and maybe we have to kind of decide more which race I want to go all in for and which race is not that important just to uh, kind of use your energy right. Uh, but I think it will be a really big challenge this year and as I said when some some athletes come in and only do a couple of races and some athletes uh, wants to go for the overall and need to do all the races that would be quite a big difference so um i think this season i really have to like take race for race and then do uh, whatever seems right at the moment and then if i'm uh, good in the total i have to go all in for all the races and if I don't do well in the beginning because I've been training not as much this summer um, maybe I can load the gear a little bit more for the bigger races so I just have to see how it works out so the <laughs> it's back a tough season <laughs> yeah it'll be a tough one you know and the back-to-back -back races you didn't have a chance to uh, kind of try that out because you uh, uh, quit as you said you didn't finish the season uh, but that was kind of tested uh, last winter and that'll be in the in the in the schedule or in the calendar again uh, races uh back to back and yeah. following days how are you approaching that i mean how do you do you think that that will fit your body and your system well hope hopefully uh i think it's uh, important to to be in really good shape so it doesn't cost as much because if you have to go all in in every race it will co uh, cost a lot of effort and then I think the second race will be really, really tough. But if you can kind of go easier on the first race, then I, 
obviously the second race is easier too so and the weekends back to back additional to the races back to back i think uh well it will be <laughs> interesting i think it's really it's a really tough program and uh yeah i don't know how i'll cope because uh, normally i get really tired after one race because i race all out to to win the race <laughs> so the normal season has been tough enough so we'll see and then uh, the 100k race that was also yeah. introduced and in a tough really tough condition you know and top course that's all yeah. something you haven't haven't done yet no but i've done 90k so i think i'll survive the last 10k too most likely so uh and uh the high altitude it seems to me that that's not really a problem you know for you you did so well at la venosta and many other races some athletes as we know really struggle when, yeah. when they have to race in high altitude it seems like altitude is a advantage for me so i'm quite happy that a lot of the races are uh above 1800 but i think it's important to do every uh, prepare preparation right when it comes to altitude so i guess i'll be using it all the time uh during the maybe christmas in higher altitudes to prepare so you just said that it'll be an interesting and a tough challenging season is there anything you'd like to add change uh in terms of the the season or visma ski classics in general or you're just content and happy with with the uh kind of the development and yeah we'll see after this season how how it works out and then take a new like uh, uh overview after and see if it was too hard or if it was uh perfect or if we want more races or uh because uh I, i'll take the challenge and race a lot of races and Uh, as long as that's what everyone's doing, then I think it's kind of equal and it won't really matter that much. But if it's uh, too hard and we see a lot of injuries or uh, illness or anything like that, then maybe we should like, yeah, reconsider a little bit. It's always like that. You have to kind of go out there and test things and see what works and what doesn't. Just like the skating race a couple of years ago, uh, the um, Engadin ski marathon speaking of which did you actually like that yeah I love the Engadin I, I would like more skating races into the season as it is right now just not only one because then you can kind of skip it if you're a classical expert but uh, a couple of races so you really have to join the race and and be a good skier overall not only in double polling I think it's yeah it makes the season stronger That is a tough, tough uh, issue, a tough uh, topic, because that seems to divide. Uh, there's like a two two camps. Some are for it, some are against it, and and both have have uh, you know good reasons for it, for it. So, uh, but you like skating. Uh, we'll talk about the training a little bit more. And assume since you like skating, you also do skating, skating you know for your training. But that'll be next. Let's talk about your training right now and a little bit about your favorite uh, workouts and and so forth. training for you you talked about it a bit earlier and said you know that right now you're on this path you know towards the you know the mountaintop <laughs> so to <Yep>. speak <laughs> uh, but let's talk about it in, in in more detail 
It's always interesting. I mean, of course, the basics are with the basics. Long distance skiing, like any endurance sports, you know, there are certain principles uh, you guys have to follow. But what is your sort of overall kind of the, um, let's put it the a approach ratio, or, approach yeah. or ratio in terms of intensity, endurance training, intervals, and so forth? Uh, well, like, uh, basically, I would say it's uh, maybe two or three longer, um, longer skis or double poles, the double polling sessions uh, per week, and then maybe two harder sessions, and maybe one or two strength sessions. That's kind of the basic. Yeah. And then some weeks there are more intensity, and some weeks I have more volume. It's, uh, it's kind of the basics. So you are a firm believer in in sort of a block training or if not block, at least changing from week yeah, to week? Yeah, I think uh, uh, like dividing into uh, periods of the harder and easier training is uh, better for the body to adjust to than like doing the same all the time. So. Uh, ER, you can call it blocks, but it's not that uh, extreme. I think it's just like uh, try to be a little bit uh, uh, smart about when I do what and uh, how much. So in the summer, percentage-wise, how much do you do roller skiing? Oh, percentage-wise, I probably have twenty-five percent. Uh, running or something and the rest is mostly roller skiing and some strength that's quite a lot of running still there 25 percent is like every fourth uh, workout yeah uh, i i like to run and i think it's good uh, good training and good for the capacity and sometimes the arms need to rest so i think it's good to to take a long run Always running, or do you do hiking or Nordic walking as well? Since you have those hills there. Yeah, it's mostly running. Uh, well, shorter uh, walking maybe in the steepest hills, but uh, not. It's not steep enough to go like uh, Nordic walking for one total session. I think you need to run some in between. And then the seventy-five percent for you uh, is roller skiing how much of that is double poling and then skating slash uh, diagonal striding uh well uh, most of the longer sessions are in double poling so i would say maybe 50 percent of that is double poling and the last like 25 is uh, uh diagonal and skating so you do quite a lot of skating yeah i enjoy skating and i think it's good training yeah, because, for example, uh, Andreas Nigord uh, said that he doesn't do at all, except in the wintertime a little bit just for fun. So there's, there are some, you know, alterations there in terms of uh, the training. The... Yeah, it's probably m more about what you like to do. And, uh, yeah, I like to, I enjoy doing various activities more than, and I don't bike that much. I think Andreas is more on the road bike than I am. So we probably, like, end up with the same double pulling. Uh, same total amount of double polling kind of the hard sessions then do you uh, what kind of uh, trainings do you usually do? do does it change do you do the intervals that you do yeah 
Uh, well, I do. Uh, in Norway, we have like this uh, scale with the threshold is uh, level three. So I do a lot of level three now during the summer, kind of easier uh, intensity, and then uh, maybe hard push a little bit harder uh, coming into the season. Uh, and I try to. I like the. I am a fan of doing uphill intervals, but I need to do some flats too because that's uh, where I need to develop more power. So try to do a 50-50 flat and uphill. And level three at this stage, but then I assume uh, you raise it up a bit, you know, four. Do you ever go to five besides the racing? Uh, yeah, but mostly four. And sometimes just all out in the end of the session kind of just to push a little bit harder uh, yeah but mostly it's uh, within level four and the length racing and yeah. the length of those intervals uh, do, do, do they vary or do you usually kind of use the same there's so many uh, differences from three minutes to 20 minutes depending on an athlete uh, what is kind of your average interval session oh yeah it can be everything between uh maybe 20 minutes uh, uh, efficient time and up to uh, one and a half hour maybe of uh, in the zone kind of uh, and I vary the length of the uh, each interval too so I try to now in the summertime I do about one hour maybe efficient uh, level three and then I can divide that into four times 15 or two times 30 or eight minutes uh, intervals or yeah, I try to vary a little bit. And then what about the long sessions, the endurance workouts? How long and as you said, mostly on roller skis? Yeah, mostly on roller skis. Uh, I have some runs with like yeah, three to four hours and then and uh, most of the long sessions are double polling, just finding a loop, maybe taking a little uh, bottle stop, uh, eating and drinking on the cafeteria or something uh, in the middle of the session and then keep on going uh, for yeah, four to five hours maybe. Slow or fast wheels? Uh, it depends on who I'm uh, skiing together with because if I'm with fast boys, then I might need easier skis, but I think uh, I mostly it's not, it's, I'm mostly on threes. Yeah, not too easy and not too tough. Speaking of company, uh, you have uh, a twin sister, Celia, uh, yeah. and then you have an older sister, Kari. Oh, and I know that you guys, yeah. guys, at least you have trained together in the past, yeah. but is that still the case that you train a lot? together yeah we try to train a lot together but now uh, we live Silla lives uh, closer to Oslo so it's more if I go there for a week and train and she comes here for a week and train but it's not like the everyday training we used to do when everyone's there we're back home at Oktar <laughs> and, and then you mentioned earlier the strength training as that's a, a pivotal part of your training regime or schedule were program how often i'm just like twice was it twice a month or how, how often do you do that and what kind of strength uh training uh well in the springtime i try to train more strength and then uh, uh that would be maybe three times a week or something 
uh, to rise my level a little bit and then I try to maintain my level during the summer and fall with maybe one session a week and then it's mostly upper body strength and mostly max or explosive uh, not too much like uh, uh, building strength so what are then your like favorite workouts it seems to me that you like you like running you like the extensive capacity athletes so uh, I assumed you like intensive trainings or does it really yeah, matter I, I uh, really enjoy training uh, almost every session as long as I feel in okay shape but uh, uh, like my very favorite session would be maybe cross skating in the uh, springtime on with my with sun in my face and wind in my back and just cruising in the mountains but uh, I also like going with friends on the bottle stop or going hard hard session uphill or yeah I'm kind of enjoying the variety of uh, training sessions I think uh, so the okay capacity that's something that you definitely possess you like the the tough ones tough trainings uh, what are the things that are not really that you know, uh, you're not that enthusiastic about in terms of training. Or are there any things like that? Well, it's not. Uh, I'm mostly happy with all the trainings. I, I, I feel it more difficult to do flat training, uh, high speed and flat training, uh, getting my heart rate up in easier terrain and stuff like that. Is, I think it's more of a challenge for me. Uh, but I still like doing it. I just, uh, it's more of a challenge, kind of. Um, and I don't like uh, losing for uh, anyone. So if I'm weak and having tr hard sessions or sprint uh, sprints or something, then it's tougher when you're with a good company. So are you telling me that you don't mind <laughs> if it's raining cats and dogs and gusty winds around? You're just happy to be out there. Yeah, mostly. And I would be lying if it's always like that, but mostly it's like that. <laughs> good. I mean, that's, that's, that's really good. You're really passionate about cross-country skiing, correct? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's correct. Good. Uh, next, let's talk about uh, you a little bit, your career before this, and of course, you, uh, you as a person and your future plans. That'll be next for us. When I look at your past or your history, you started out uh, pretty well at the Junior World Championships, you know, the U23 class, uh, yeah. uh, two, uh, 2009, 2010, 2011. Uh, you actually won a silver medal in the 15-kilometer pursuit, uh, gold medal, uh, the, the same event uh, next year, the following year, 2010. And, and so forth. So at that time, you must have must have thought that okay, this is the way I'm going to go. You know, the Olympics and the kind of the usual route. Yeah. But uh, more or less. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I was kind of ready for World Cup training with the national team a lot, and or was a kind of a impulse uh, skier on the national team and. Everything was going very well, but then I had to do the um, uh, pig flu. Is that what it's called? Svin influenza, a vaccine, and ah. I got really sick. Ah, okay. <laughs> yeah, uh, sick for two weeks, trying to do the tour de ski anyways. Uh, junior mistake there. 
and then uh, actually using a lot of time just uh, couldn't adjust the training anymore for for maybe two years or something so uh, that was a kind of a hard hard blow on my career and then uh, I did some good races now and then kind of but not uh, enough to feel to get on the national team or get to race World Cup whenever I wanted or something like that and then I just I talked to Johan Kjellstein Svalbard Ski Marathon and he said they needed a, a good skier on their team and uh, I felt it was a time for change Yeah, and you made your World Cup debut uh, that was in uh, 2008 at the Halmenkollen Ski Festival Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It was uh, maybe the worst debut ever but it was a debut <laughs> But it must have been great to ski in Helmand calling, correct? <laughs> well, yeah, it's great with a lot of audience, but it all also hurts with a lot of audience when you're skiing slow. So uh, uh, I think it was kind of a shock for me to... I was just a junior, I think, or I haven't done a 30K before and uh, doing it at individual start that year. Uh I remember it was a tough experience, but I really li liked it. Yeah, it's uh, it's huge to ski in Holmenkollen. It's uh, a life goal for most skiers, I think. So was it tough because the race was hard, or you just didn't have a good day, or? Uh, I well, I, at that time, I didn't really have a lot of skis or uh, professional help or anything like that. So uh, you could switched your skis uh, halfway through I think but I, I couldn't do it because I only had one pair so uh, my skis were black of all this fire and stuff around the tracks the, so I think my skis were really bad and then I got really tired I probably started way too hard for my own good and then the last part is uh, yeah slow and heavy and yeah, a little bit embarrassing but then, yeah, it's, that's how you learn. <laughs> yeah, if someone had told you that you, uh, at that time, you know, after the race, that you'd be doing uh, long-distance skiing and much longer distances, uh, do you think that you would have believed? <laughs> no, <laughs> never, never. I, I, I actually said that I would never do Valsaloppe because I think it would be too boring or something. <laughs> so, yeah, I had to eat my words there. Yeah, what then, then changed? You kind of refer to that a little bit but uh, why how and, and when did it happen uh, well I basically I just found out that I think I have a talent for skiing longer so it's kind of like when Karsten Varum cho chose the hurdles instead of the uh, t-comp uh, what's the word of it yeah well we just uh, adjust and specify in one specific uh, sport instead of like doing it all and I thought I might have a talent for this and I wanted to try something new and be a part of a new uh, environment kind of and thought I would just try it for a year and then see how it goes and then I enjoyed it really much and I kind of just kept on going. So when you stepped into this arena with ski classics and long distance skiing kind of the first moments how how did it feel? Because it was a different kind of arena from the World Cup and all the races that you done in the past. Yeah, well, I was kind of... Uh, I felt like a junior again <laughs> because now I wasn't used to anything like uh, 
uh, not uh, drinking or eating during the race. I it was a new start field, so I was completely new and nobody knew of me. So I was kind of feeling that I got a fresh start and could build up slowly. And uh, when I got the good results, that was really it was really fun to see my development. Kind of it was. Uh, getting better in double polling every day and it was really fun to just start with something new and then came uh, the uh, infamous fossil of it so to speak because then finally you were you were there standing uh, you know standing uh, at the start you know the start line uh, how did you feel there you're like okay here I am I said I'm never gonna do this but here <laughs> I here I stand you know? <laughs> yeah but then uh, I was really looking forward to it and being on a team where Vasalope was the greatest goal of the season, then you feel different about the race than when you just heard of a race. So uh, I I felt I was part of something big and like standing on the front line of 16,000 people, I was feeling a little bit like uh, small. And if you, if you fall in the beginning here, I think it will be a Lion King scene there when Mufasa is just like stepped on of all the news from the back so uh, I was really nervous and excited and uh, wondering and how how boring it would be w would I get bored during four hours of racing or would it be fine <laughs> speaking of falling down it, ha it has happened to me the first Vasalopet I did 91 way back then I actually I happened to fall down and a lot oh, of no. people skied over me. That was, yeah. that was scary, really <laughs> yeah. scary. So, uh, 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 but yeah, of course, Vasalopet is what it is. Uh, of all these uh, five victories, uh, stage wins that you have, which one is probably the dearest? Or you treat them equally? Oh. They're all your babies. Well, it's a really tough question, but I think uh, the feeling in my body and... The way I sold uh, Love and Nosta is probably the biggest one in, well, I've never felt as strong in my life before. So it was a big step of like uh, seeing that I can really be a good skier. Uh, so in that, uh, yeah, in that case, I would choose Venosta. But then uh, my first victory in Reisalöpe was, or Levi was uh, really big too, to finally take this last step up that podium when I've been so many times on third and second place it was that was big too so it's a, it's a hard to range kind of uh, and to finally to beat uh, Britta Johansson Ugren who, yeah. who's been so strong I mean of course last year was a tough tough one for her as well uh, uh, because of the you know the injury and the frostbites and so forth uh, yeah. but now the field we talked about this a little bit I mean it's getting it's getting so much stronger all the time, and it's uh, like next year will be really exciting and thrilling to see with Marit, of course, but uh, with the other ladies too. So, mm. how are you like approaching it? You know, knowing that you're a little bit behind right now. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, that's the first thing I try not to think about that I'm behind and that I'm. Uh, I just have to do my stuff right, I think, and then we'll see how the other girls are developing. And I can't do anything about them, but I think uh, uh, we will have a strong season. And I think it's good that, like, Lager and Rogde and all these big 
teams also have big women's teams now. Not just one, but a big team. So uh, I think we'll have stronger competitions, like uh, maybe more team teamwork than we're used to see in the women's team too. So yeah, I need to get some help there somewhere, I think. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, going back uh, to your uh, to your past, you're kind of taking uh, walk down memory lane. Was skiing always something that you wanted to do, or did you have any other goals or career paths in mind uh, when you were younger? Uh, well, I I think I've been wanting to become like a world champion on cross-country skis for as long as I can remember. Uh, I know that we were playing like uh, Bjorn Dali and Vega Rulvang, my twin sister and me, when we were skiing around in the garden when we were four years. So uh, it's been the main goal for my life, absolutely. I can't remember anything else. <laughs> what about school? Were you a good student? Uh, yeah, I was a pretty good student. Uh, could probably have done kind of everything uh, career-wise, but uh, I've been choosing uh, school has been kind of a little bit secondary after uh, finishing the basic school. I've uh, tried to do something smart for, for my racing career. So I think if I wasn't a uh, skier, I would probably have been a better student. But have you studied anything after the kind of the... Yeah, I got a master in exercise physiology and then uh, I have uh, soon finished uh, one year of... Uh, uh, it's a teacher, teacher year kind of to teach uh, exercise physiology. That's interesting. Is that probably kind of a path that you could choose after your skiing career yeah it will probably be i will i hope to be a coach for uh coming athletes when i'm done finishing my own skiing career so what else do you uh, value or uh, appreciate uh in life what else do you do besides skiing or do you have any other hobbies you just ski and ski and ski <laughs> Well, I'm an outdoor person, so I love to be on backcountry skis and just uh, be around in the mountains too. I don't necessarily have to go on short and narrow skis, but uh, I like uh, challenging myself, like climbing maybe, or downhill skiing, or uh, dirt biking, or yeah, like just having fun and uh, challenging at the same time. And you mentioned that you have a boyfriend in Sweden. That's when we started out. So how did that happen? Uh, well, yeah, he's living in Norway now. So, <laughs> but uh, but he's a Swede. He's a Swede, and we met in uh, Mitsomerafton in Sweden. So a really romantic story about <laughs> meeting a Swede in Sweden. On that on we want to hear day. that romantic story. No, <laughs> <laughs> please tell us under the midnight oh, not, under the midnight uh, sun, birds yeah, singing, yeah. correct? Yep. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> everything. <laughs> but uh, how about the communication? Of course, Norwegian, Swedish, kind of close, but still different languages. Well, that's pretty, or at least for Norwegian, I think Swedish is really easy because we have been watching Swedish television and stuff from we were small, so. 
I never had a problem understanding Swedish and then uh, yeah communication is easy between Norway and Sweden I think it's not a big it's not a big challenge but is he in- we haven't been have to we didn't have to speak English <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's speak or something yeah. uh, uh, is he into skiing as well uh, no he's an orienteer runner so he's he's an athlete too but not a skier Oh, that's interesting. Have you tried that actually? Because I know that a lot of skiers, at least the standard distance skiers, use orienteering for training as well in the summertime. Yeah, I've been trying a little bit, and I think I enjoy it. But I'm not. Uh, I'm better to run than I'm with a map, so I want to go faster than I uh, can <laughs> because I'm not fast enough reading the map and knowing where I am. So when I go orienteering, it's mo- mostly for fun. It's not so much for competition. So you're basically yeah. telling me that whenever you find your way out of the forest, you're enjoying it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Uh, what else uh, in your life uh, besides being outdoors, training, spending time with your uh, boyfriend? Well, when it's not Corona, I like to travel. <laughs> but that's not so easy right now. Uh, and I do the 50% studying of the last teaching uh, course uh, this summer, and then most of the most of my spare time is training and relaxing. It's not really an interesting life being an athlete. So I uh, I think I'll do more uh, fun when I'm not an athlete anymore. Speaking of travel, what is the most exotic place you visited? Exotic or oh, I've been to uh, Moab in uh, that's in uh, U- USA on the west coast there. It's uh, in the desert, uh, red rock. So you can go. We went climbing and uh, canyoneering. You mean Mojave? We, Mojave de- desert? Uh, no, I mean Moab desert. Ah, okay. Or it's like uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a place in. Wow. Utah. That must, that must have, oh, Utah. Okay, yeah, Utah. Yeah. Uh, that must have been an experience. Pretty hot there? Uh, yeah, but we were there in the spring, so it wasn't really that hot yet. But it, the, it was a totally different landscape from what I'm used to. So it was uh, a fun experience. Indeed, I lived there. Not in Utah, but I lived in California, so I know, oh. I know those areas. But a place you... Uh, uh, wanna visit? Wanna wanna go to? Uh, mostly all over the world, maybe. Uh, I would like to go surfing on Hawaii or uh, uh, going mountaineering in uh, Nepal, maybe. Would be two good choices, I think. And I really want to go visit Masako in Japan and go powder skiing there. In Hokkaido. Great, great choices, those, <laughs> those there. And uh, then what about uh, when you need to kill time? Do you listen to music? Do you do knitting? <laughs> or what do you do? Because I know that you sometimes <laughs> have uh, uh, quite a lot of time in your hands if you need to kill training camps and, and you're just like resting between sessions and so forth. So what do you do? Yeah, I get a little bit restless uh, between the sessions. Uh, so when I'm home, I do kind of everything, uh, small activities. Uh, I've been learning how to shoot lately, so that's been my hobby. Shoot with a rifle. Yeah, with a biathlon rifle. 
Ah. That's been my biggest hobby. <laughs> well, we <laughs> see you in a biathlon race. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> Maybe if I learn how to take down the whites. Yeah, that that's quite important <laughs> in that sport. <laughs> yep. Okay, so shooting. What else? Uh, yeah, it's a lot of Netflix and series and stuff like that when you really have to relax because uh, that's kind of boring anyways. And then I have a little bit of school and uh, yeah, sometimes I can do some drawing or <laughs> yeah. Speaking of Netflix, I'm a huge Netflix fan. I actually have several of those streaming services. I'm, I'm a binge, binge watcher. Uh, are there any shows that you've like to binge? Watch meaning watch back to back episodes back to back. Ooh, uh, now I haven't been on. Maybe it was uh, not a good idea to say Netflix because I haven't been on there for a couple of months, so I don't know what's on right now. But uh, uh, for this season, I, th I think I'll see uh, Game of Thrones. I haven't watched one single episode there yet, and everyone is uh, mad about it. So I guess it's time to see that. Maybe. Hey, me neither. That's something no. I should watch. I tried it <laughs> once, but for some reason I just get, didn't get into it. But maybe I need to give it another try as well. Yeah, that's why I think too. I need to give it a try. See how it works out. <laughs> then what about music? Oh, I'm an everything listener. I I don't have like one favorite song. I, I think uh, my Spotify lists are quite, uh, yeah, they vary a lot. Everything from like uh, rap to ballad, ballads to uh, simple pop music to, yeah, I can listen to almost everything. So when you were a young girl, did you have any pop idols or anyone you admired back then? You had posters on your wall? Mm, yeah, well, I remember like uh, Backstreet Boys and uh, Hanson and stuff like that, but uh, not really one big fan, no. I remember the rest of the girls uh, uh, were switching Spice Girls cards and stuff. Uh, I didn't have cards, but we always uh, like were singing and dancing in group, <laughs> pretending we were Spice Girls. Cool. So I used to be sporty Spice. Yeah, Spice Girls. Uh, yeah. Speaking of <laughs> idols. High level. Yeah, I, well, no, I mean, it's, it's a great band. I mean, it's uh, Spice Girls and Spice Girls. Um, speaking of idols. Uh, yeah, I was in... in uh, Kinder school. Or, uh, <laughs> <laughs> of course, you were young back then. So it's a long time yeah. ago. Yeah. Things we do when we're young. Yep. Um, speaking of idols, uh, who are the people that you uh, have always admired? And I know that you, you talked about Bjorn Daly and uh, Vega Rolvang and, and the skiers. But if we leave skiing aside, any other people that you uh, admire and why? Oh, I think... The world is full of people I admire for some small or bigger reason. Uh, but as an athlete, we had um, a downhill skier in Uppdal called Erik Håker. Uh, and he was, uh, he was racing the World Cups and kind of showing that you can be a great athlete from a small town. And he was always happy, uh, no matter how, if he went out in the second lap uh, leading a world cup he will still put a smile on his face and i think yeah, that's really admiring and showing a lot of like this sport uh, soul of just having fun instead of making it into something uh, big and 
yeah, to he didn't he cared a lot of the results, but I think he cared more of the sport, and I admire him for that. So, as an athlete, it seems to me that you tend to uh, admire or look highly upon other athletes from other sports. Uh, you also mentioned Kirsten Barholm's uh, name earlier on this podcast, and of course the yeah. Olympics are uh, behind us. Uh, but of course, uh, another amazing, amazing athlete. Sometimes makes me wonder that uh, how come that you 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 guys in Norway so strong when it comes to like uh, individual sport heroes and so forth. Is it the kind of the mentality that you guys have, or what does it mentality come? Mentality, <laughs> and I think. Uh... Uh, serious training and just like uh, I think most of the Norwegian athletes do it because they love their sport and I think that's a great uh, start to becoming a really good athlete because uh, you have to enjoy what you're doing too uh, wanting to do it enough I think uh, so that's a bigger drive than just doing it for the money maybe or doing it for the fame uh, and I think that's pretty strong in Norway that you really enjoy being active and uh, going for it in a in a sport. I actually lived in Norway way back when I was uh, young seventh eighth graders and what I realized back then is kind of the community aspect of it that even the ski clubs ba- back then were really supportive and and so forth is that still the case that you get a as a young athlete regardless of sport you get a lot of support from people around you from uh, sport clubs and coaches and so forth yeah absolutely i think sports are really it's uh, highly valued in the society so you get a lot of support if you you're an athlete and you get a lot of uh, uh Support from your family and everything. Everybody just thinks it's fun that you want to go for it. And uh, uh, sport is all as on the same level as education. I think it's uh, it's something big for for everyone, not only uh, for kids or just for fun. It's like it's very uh, deeply rooted in the society. I think. And you said earlier that you may want to be a coach in, in the future. If so, what kind of a coach would you be? Uh, probably cross-country skiing, uh, because that's where um, I have the most competence. Uh, but would you be see. like demanding or supportive or what type well, of Well, uh, everything I... I I want the athletes to have high goals and try to work hard to reach them. But uh, at the same time, I want them to have fun. And uh, if they look back on their career, I want them to uh, think it was the right choice to try. And even though it didn't work out. Uh, so then I I think you have to need, need to have some fun on the way too. So uh, try to balance up everything. <laughs> So when I listen to you, and of course I've interviewed uh, several times uh, whenever we're racing, it seems to me you're a happy person and, and uh, you enjoy life. But how does your boyfriend describe you? What does he say about <laughs> well, you? Well, you have to. You have to. Uh, I think he's asked him about that. But uh, I think he would say that uh, I'm a really serious athlete. Even though I'm a happy person, I uh, I do my training really seriously and uh, the result, uh, 
do uh, affect my uh, uh, state of mind a lot. <laughs> so I think he had a harder time this uh, winter than last winter or two winters ago because uh, when I am not racing well, it's harder to be happy. I was going to ask you about that. <laughs> you know, that my question was: Are you are you ever gonna get? A mad, but it sounds to me that you might get mad every once in a while, or a bit crazy, or just lose your nerve. Yeah, or it's more like being sad and not feeling confident and uh, uh, unhappy with uh, putting down a lot of work and it doesn't work out. It's important to, for me to to succeed. So, uh, but I try not to be, uh, I'm not a mad type of person. I think I'm mostly happy. And then sometimes it strikes a little bit. Of course. So you're not th yeah. throwing, throwing tantrums, <laughs> as they say. Uh, good. Uh, we are going to wrap up uh, pretty soon. But uh, when you kind of think about the next season, the years to come here, uh, what do you want to... Um, achieve i know that vasalopit of course we talked about that a little bit and you have said that is definitely your goal uh, yeah. to win that but uh, what else well i want to be on i want to have one season where i'm just on my top level the whole season through without getting injured or sick or anything happening uh because if that happens i think i would be really close to taking a yeah or uh, overall victory and that would be a really big too but i think uh, winning the biggest races like uh, that's my first goal and then we'll see and then what do you expect for, uh, from your team we talked about your team a bit and now you emerged with uh, sinbi sinbi's gang so what are your hopes for your team overall yeah, I think yeah, my, my team yeah, the the goal for the team is to win the team competition and for that to happen, everyone has to be on top of their game. And uh, I have to win races and the boys have to win races. And that's uh, what we're aiming for this this season. And then as a last thing before we uh, wrap up and I'll let you go and, and, and start training or continue training. Uh, if you had a chance to change one thing, one big thing. In the world, and don't say Corona. You know, Every, everybody world. wants to kill Corona. That's that's for sure. But besides, yeah. besides that, yeah, you always want yeah. peace and yeah. love. And, that, and that's uh, a usual peace and love, and you know, Corona. But if we leave and peace, you know, to save the environment. <laughs> yes, exactly. But do you have something that would be a little bit different than peace, love, and uh, killing Corona that you would like to do if you had the power, all the power in the world? To change something if i was god what would i do kind of <laughs> yes kind of like that didn't even really want to use the word god but <laughs> yeah i would give my me a superpower so i could fly or something wow <laughs> that's good you know you like superheroes yeah, yeah which one is your favorite everyone loves yeah. uh, superheroes which one is your favorite uh, i would be superman superman of course, of course. yes or superwoman oh in yeah my case. that's right yeah. that's right indeed you are super strong and fly around that sounds good but astrid you are strong and i think you will be really strong next season and the years to come i really hope that you will do well and your team will perform well we're all excited about that and once again thank you very much uh, for joining uh, giving us your time sharing sharing your life your yourself uh, for all of, all of us it was really nice to have you on, on our show uh, Usha to Levy. Yeah, thank you for having me and you folks out there as always i thank you for listening to us and stay tuned for more episodes to come for now 
I'll bid you adieu. Bye bye. This podcast is a W Sports Media production.